0: One of the plant workers there uh, decided that they, will, they were bored and wanted to watch some YouTube videos. So they tethered their phone uh, to this, you know, to this device so that they could give it internet. Mm-hmm. And almost immediately, through uh, a phenomenon that's uh, referred to as uh, internet background radiation, <laughs> um, where you have all these these bots and and viruses that are still out there, you know, old I love you viruses and stuff oh, like wow. that yeah. that are just sitting on old computers trying to look for you know something to infect. Uh, they see this almost immediately and, and all of a sudden this thing is infected by multiple viruses mm. and it's calling out to people to say, Hey, I got one. Come check me out. You can you can take control of this. Fortunately, we, we did have that cybersecurity software on there and our, our 24-7 SOC, a security operations center, immediately got that alert and called somebody and said, Hey, we have got something going on.
1: <laughs> you might want to check this one out. <laughs> You're
2: listening to OMAG All Access, a podcast about all things affecting municipalities in Oklahoma. Hosted by OMAG Director of Technology Services, Kevin Seesok.
1: With me today, is once again, is Skyhelm Technologies. I've got Travis Cleek and Casey Davis. And uh, guys, we did the introduction uh, during our last episode. If you guys want to take another quick second and tell us a little bit about yourselves and... Uh, Casey, why don't you kick us off?
3: Sure, a bit about me. As I said, I'm I'm Casey and I'm one of the partners here at SkyHelm with Travis and team. And uh, I'm a certified ethical hacker and uh, have afforded an NSC5 certification in network and malware analysis. Uh, Work-wise, I never worked for a city, uh, but I worked in higher ed and IT and networking, as well as manufacturing, electric utility. Uh, Here at SkyHelm, I'm the lead developer of our Titan cybersecurity platform, as well as one of our principal security researchers and pen testers.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm Travis Cleek, and I've got about 17 years of IT experience. I've worked in uh, utilities um, and then uh, manufacturing and also education. Oklahoma native, uh, lived here uh, my entire life. I'm married, got four kids three cows, two dogs, and one duck. So,
1: <laughs> now, okay, I'll, hold on real quick. Before we get into it, Casey, you said you're a hacker, right? So, should I arrest you right now?
3: Well, okay, so I did say certified ethical. <laughs> I've taken the test. That means I'm a good guy. Okay,
1: <laughs> just gotta throw, make sure that all of our listeners know that. So yeah, there, and there he are imagine
3: his kids. I have kids too. I got two kids. Uh, both of them go to Edmond Public Schools. Uh, one is in pre-K, one's
1: in second grade. So, no, no uh, citizens arrest during the uh, no. the podcast. And <laughs> and for our listeners out there, yes, there are good guy hackers out there, and uh, we're pleased to talk to one today. So, our topic today is uh, critical infrastructure protection. And you know, for our listeners out there, we're mostly talking about things that you wouldn't. Maybe you forget that uh, uh, you're you're out there helping to support. So that's going to be water, wastewater treatment, uh, municipal gas distribution, power systems, etc. You know, even if you're in city hall right now, this is stuff that uh, that you guys are going to be uh, working next to on a day-to-day basis. So, guys, you know, from your perspective, you know, we talk a lot about cybersecurity. Why is this different? Why is our critical infrastructure cybersecurity different than just making sure your password isn't password? Why is this so much more? of a concern
3: sure and uh, you know you mentioned it already what is critical infrastructure you know it's it's any system that gathers information and does a process so uh, a lot of times people say oh my ICS or ICT uh, hey they've got a problem with my SCADA you know they've got all those terms are all completely interchangeable
1: alphabet soup
3: it seems yes and uh, so there's a bunch of different types you know you have an older DCS network a lot of that if you have that running that's usually flat everything talks to each other and th- that's interesting to work on because uh, they usually had just one communication line and things would be queued up. You know, you might you might see a job, maybe a meter read might take, well, you run it takes 15 minutes. Well, that's because only one thing can go at a time on a DCS flat network. And sometimes there would be an A and a B and you would load all of your commands. They would process one at a time. And everything in there is completely trusted, which is one of the inherent problems. Um, a modern, modern computer system, if it gets a command, it'll say, well, uh, authenticate yourself. Why? You know, I don't trust that. Uh, I, an ICS or ICT network is just going to take it and run with it.
1: So that, that actually uh, brings up a good point because I get asked this every now and then. And, you know, why why are there so many security problems? And it's like, well, fundamentally, I mean, if you had to boil it down, None of this stuff was ever designed to be secure from the get-go. From you know, decades ago when we when email first started, when the internet first started, when phone systems first started, you know, mm-hmm. digital phone systems. None of this was ever designed to be secure because the worst you ever had was the occasional prank, mm-hmm. and, and that was about it. Not to say that a prank in critical infrastructure is ever funny, but you know that's why we find ourselves in this situation. So, I mean, you kind of illustrated some of the systems out there and why they're insecure, what kind of threats are out there?
3: Uh, you know, the, the root cause of the vulnerabilities are, like you said, the legacy control systems and and slowly moving or mixing in with the IT side. You know, they we were just, when you put these things out, you're happy enough they work at all, mm-hmm. uh, much less segregating it and securing it. And, and a lot of times I know I used to go out and install skate equipment, big, heavy piece of equipment in the blazing hot sun. <laughs> you put it in and you drive away. I don't want to spend another 30 minutes resetting the password. Yeah. Uh, and that's why, unfortunately, a find lot up, of- Finding enough wasps, yeah. killing spiders, yeah. yeah. A lot of the SCADA equipment out in the field in electrical industry, default password, default settings. Mm. And uh, you know, that's, just, that's just, we know we're concerned to getting the job done and not having an extra focus on cybersecurity. And so developing that cybersecurity culture down to the individual out there doing the installation is what we need to do. Um, lo- a lot of the industries are really focused on safety. You take a safety class every every year. Uh, you have to pass a safety test. You know, tons of stuff in that. Uh, we really need the same thing in in mm-hmm. cybersecurity now.
1: Now I hear a lot of this kind of you know the the plant workers, the operational technology people, the people that are dealing with the SCADA systems, sitting at the uh, operator's console in the water treatment plant. Those people don't tend to talk to the IT people very often, and I, I've, you know, obviously a leading question, but is that part of the problem? And how do we heal that rift and and mend that divorce?
3: Boy, at many places they're just completely segregated. Yeah, I, I'm always shocked when we go work at a new customer or even an old one. You guys really don't talk to each other at all, you know, and <laughs> and you hear one thing, and I'll hear a response from a company. They say this, and I always assume in my head okay, they've all talked about it and this is what they're telling me. No, this is what that one guy says. The other guy across the hall has a completely different opinion. Mm. And that's a shocking thing to learn. And I've, I've learned that in several industries now. Like,
1: so your IT and your public yeah. works people, get them in the same room, come start hashing it out. Yep. I mean, I, I, I've i been saying that to our cities and towns uh, when I can for, for a while now. I think that's probably good advice. But you know, we're also talking about when these systems are built, when they're installed, et cetera. And that's, like you said, that's where... It's the installer who's out there just saying, ah, uh, uh, default password's fine. <laughs> yep.
0: and, it's, and it's difficult for uh, the safety people or, or, or your public works people. You know, they're looking at the security measures that the IT guy wants to put in place as an impediment to getting their job done. Right. And, and the, you know, the IT guy may uh, be looking at uh, you know, their objective to get things secure and the things that you know, those people are doing as an impediment to their security. And so, so definitely getting those people together and making sure that they see eye to eye that, hey, we have a common objective. Let's talk about the best way to do that together.
1: Yeah, or at least have a discussion on the risks right. and say, well, I guess we don't have to turn that security on, but here's what could be a problem. Okay, so tell me about those risks. We know the vulnerabilities. We know some of the communication breakdown. A lot of this stuff is older technology. Who's out there? What, what you know? Who are we having to worry about, and what exactly are they doing to us that's uh, uh, so scary?
3: Well, it's like you know what? Do what could it be? Why would somebody want to turn the power off, say, an electric company? You know, what first comes to mind, I have no idea. (laughs) But, you know, uh, it could be a prankster wants to come out and do something just to to do it. We've seen that in the past. We've seen nation-state actors. You know, maybe there's a a big governmental plan. You know, they they want this thing to not have power at this time. That's like a big-time strike. There's also now in Oklahoma a lot of drug trade. Maybe it's beneficial to have this place not have power at this time so member of whatever is coming over to do whatever he's going to do um, people were distracted and, and i can
0: almost hear the eye rolls when when you say you know nation states are going to be attacking you know my city
1: right and, yeah. you know
0: we go, no what, that, that's not going to happen we're in
1: oklahoma yeah i mean it's we're not you know this isn't houston chicago manhattan you know <laughs> la we're not that big yeah and it has happened
0: yeah, and yeah. it has it has happened. And, and there's good reasons to, you know, 60 percent of the U.S. supply of oil and gas actually run through Oklahoma. 60 percent. 60 percent. If you were to overlay um, a map of all the oil and pipeline, uh, you know, paths, you would see, you know, this this huge nexus uh, through coming, you know, east, north, south, east, west all through Oklahoma.
1: And we all know that Cushing's the pipeline capital of
0: the U.S. Oh, absolutely. And and so you have this, this huge mass of pipelines coming through. And you can kind of kind of imagine, uh, we, we saw with uh, Colonial just recently, mm. that one little disruption, what it did to, to our economy and, and the inconveniences it co- caused. Now imagine a coordinated strike where they're taking the power out at this one city that controls this one pump or at this city that controls this one pump maybe stagger that around different days hit them all at once four nations would definitely be happy to do that yeah
1: and i mean it's at the end of the day you know i've heard this said before so colonial I, I don't know if they paid out the ransom or anything if they did i mean at the end of the day even if it's not a nation state that's going to war with the us you know if you have to pay out a ransom if you know you're down That's damage done to the American economy. And if you're paying someone else, if you're paying, you know, a foreign group, they're essentially terrorists. I mean, you're putting money in the pocket of somebody who may use that money to help kill Americans. And at the end of the day, we've got to put a stop to that. Absolutely. Yeah.
2: OMAG All Access would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. For your time we would like to offer you the chance to win a pair of OMAG All Access Bluetooth headphones. To enter, all you have to do is head to www.omag.org forward slash all access and click on the corresponding image at the top of the screen. The password for each episode will change, so make sure you are always up to date on the newest episode of OMAG All Access by subscribing with your favorite podcast app. The password for this episode is Oklahoma follow the directions on the giveaway page and you will be entered Good luck
1: this is a problem we've got to worry about you know we've talked a little bit about some of the uh, concerns with the installation process you know thankfully we we do occasionally hear about uh, cities and towns getting grant money or getting opportunities to replace aging infrastructure you know at that point in time what's what do they need to be doing? I know some of the standards aren't really where they need to be yet you know we've got some of these newer standards through the EPA for water treatment etc but you know it's not just about what you can do 15 20 years from now what uh, what do they need to be doing while they're in the planning process
3: well it's a you know a multifaceted approach to all the different things you need to defend easiest way to put it is uh, your your control network really should be completely isolated segregated but you run into, well, then how am I going to do the meter reading and process the bills? Mm. So you have to, you, unfortunately, we have to have those things open to do that part. Now, uh, there, there, there are ways to do that, still maintaining segregation, but really the best way to do it is to actively monitor everything that's happening. And uh, there, there are a lot of great new tools that do that. Uh, who is it? The DOE is working on called Essence. Uh, you put that in in the field, and it monitors all the communications passively put it on your switch and Mm. and it reads everything going through it and you can get a baseline of how that device is supposed to be communicating and it will watch it and learn a history okay every day it does this every day it does this when it does something out of the ordinary sounds the alarm Mm. and that is really uh, reactionary is probably your best way to uh, to set up a new network
0: Unfortunately, those networks are are pretty static. It's, it's not every day you're adding new devices to them. You right. don't have you don't have a guest Wi-Fi on there, and people <laughs> are just joining back and forth. I sure, hope not. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> and so uh, it's it's there's there's great software, and of course, it has to be treated than the other type of networks where those actions are having. But there's there's great software, as Casey mentioned that that essence uh, that the DO, DOE is developing and uh, is is a, is a good example. But there's other ones out there. And they will look at your infrastructure and say, "Is there a change?" Mm-hmm. And so, one of the, my favorite examples is um, we had an organization who uh, didn't think they needed cybersecurity products on their on their systems because, well, they they're air gapped. And so, you know, so they're
1: totally segregated. Their their critical infrastructure systems are completely separate.
0: Completely yeah. right. They're they're completely separated. Completely air gapped. There is no no physical connection between that network and their their other network. And so uh, we had a discussion with them. We said, "Hey, let's let's put the cybersecurity products on there." And they said, "No, no, we don't need it. We're air-gapped. Well, we convinced them, and and they did. And it was about uh, six months later. They had a a machine. It was running. You know, it was running like Windows ninety five, Windows ninety eight. You know, just it had this very specific software on it that helped to run some critical pieces of the power plant. And one of the plant workers there uh, decided that they w- they were bored and wanted to watch some YouTube videos. So they. Tethered their phone to this, you know, to this device so that they could give it internet, mm-hmm. and almost immediately through uh, a phenomenon that's uh, referred to as uh, internet background radiation. Um, where you have all these these bots and, and viruses that are still out there, you know, the old I love you viruses and stuff oh, wow. like that, yeah. that are just sitting on old computers trying to look for, you know, something to infect. They see this almost immediately and, and all of a sudden this thing is infected by multiple viruses hmm. and it's calling out to people to say, hey, I got one. Come check me out. You can, you can take control of this. Fortunately we, we did have that cybersecurity software on there and our our 24/7 SOC a security operations center immediately got that alert and called somebody and said, "Hey, we've got something yeah. going on. <laughs> you might <laughs> want to check this one out." Yep. And
1: and for those that aren't aren't completely air-gapped too, I personally have actually seen, you know, water treatment plants where it's on the public internet, you don't really have a hardware-based firewall, no antivirus to speak of. And, you know, somebody's been playing video games on, on that machine, the same machine that's actually controlling chemical levels in, in your
0: plant. And, you know, we've seen firewalls uh, drop very well. What, what was once a corporate firewall you can now get that software in a corporate firewall device for under $1,000. Yeah. And so, you know, there, there really is, is no really good reason not to at least have that basic protection in place, you know, if, if not more.
3: That's gotta carve off most of it. That background radiation that you were talking about. We have we have a couple of honeypots around our network sitting out on the open internet that watch for connections to come in. And literally every second of every day there's a hundred.
1: And for our members out there, a honeypot is a, a purpose built server device that sits out there and actually looks enticing to uh, hackers, attackers, viruses, spots, worms, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And just basically says, you know, give me a sample of what's out there, try and infect me and then you know, the, we have
3: some simulated electrical equipment, some simulated water treatment equipment that just sits on the Internet and watches stuff come in. And,
1: and it's and just it's, constant, uh,
3: constant, Yeah, constant. Even things that that it isn't it. You know, it, it gets things trying to think it's a web server. It gets things trying to think it's an installation of WordPress. Mm. It gets things trying to think it's anything. It's just constant can- connecting and scanning, connecting, and
1: scanning. And, and for our members out there. So, you know, obviously, again, it's hard to think that anything like this is going to happen in Oklahoma. You know, we mentioned Cushing earlier, the pipeline uh, capital of the U.S. I'm sure that the citizens of Oldsmar, Florida thought that they would never be hit either. You guys are familiar with, with Oldsmar as well. Yes. There's a story from earlier
0: this year, in fact. I don't
1: know if you guys have had a chance to to read those news articles or, or mm-hmm,
0: whatnot, mm-hmm. but that was certainly scary as well. Yeah, i very familiar with that. There's been some scary breaches. A lot of organizations don't like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They like to sweep it under the rug and, and pretend it didn't happen. And so... Uh, sometimes you get one that's so big, like Oldsmar, where they have no choice but to share it. Know that those events are happening in Oklahoma. We're we're one of those organizations that we get the phone call from people to, who, who call us in a panic to say, we've had something happen. Yeah. Help us. And those organizations are here in Oklahoma. So they they're happening. And I do hope that the stigma of, you know, being a target, uh, you know, or having, having come under cybersecurity attack goes away and people would be a little bit more open to talk about it because I think it's beneficial as an organization.
1: I agree. And, and I, I tend to share that wherever I go. If, if you've had a hack, you know, damage is already done. I understand, you know, there's, there's your thought about your reputation. Oh, we failed. Yeah. Well, help others learn you know, let's let's get out there and talk about it. I think that's all we can do. So for, for our listeners real quick too, Oldsmar, Florida, we'll put a link in the show notes, but it was a recent hack of a water treatment plant in the uh, town of Oldsmar, Florida. If memory serves, I think it's about 17,000, 18,000 people. The plant operator actually watched as someone logged into their operational control system, the plant operator's console, and Increase the was it lie I believe up to uh, ten thousand percent above normal, something ridiculous like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And and if the uh, the operator just hadn't happened to be in the room, right, and yeah. seeing that increase, it was
1: eight to five Monday through Friday. What if it had been five oh one, you know? Exactly.
0: <laughs> and and we actually had an incident uh, that happened in Kansas uh, three weeks ago. It was, it was a small incident, but it, but it was very similar. When you talk about uh, what happened, these people get a call from somebody who said, "Hey, we're with Amazon." And uh, Mm. they said, open up command prompt and type this thing in and and tell us what you see. And and it gets this this number here. And they said, okay, just to verify that you're the correct customer, we're gonna read this number off and see if it matches that. And it's this number that's the same on every computer. Mm. But it looked complicated. So the person read it and said, oh, yeah, hey, you, you're talking to the right person. You you know, we, we have verified this exchange. And so the, then uh, the person on the other end of the phone convinces this utility operator to go ahead and download TeamViewer oh. and let them get connected because they're going to take care of a problem that they saw. And so this person had just gotten connected to TeamViewer and, and the person whips their phone out, texts their IT person, and says, hey, just so you know, uh, Amazon found something uh, wrong with my computer, but they're taking care of it for you. Don't, don't worry about it. And of course, he picks up the phone. And Worried like, about it. <laughs> Unplug everything. Stop.
1: <laughs> Hang up the phone. Yeah, that's not Amazon, <laughs> right?
3: <laughs> Amazon scams are plentiful right now. That doesn't nothing to do with city, but yeah, every day I get an email that says, "Hey, did you mean to order this? Did you mean to order X?" They're all fake. I followed up with one of them the other day. Sometimes it's fun to, repron and say, "Hey, okay." Well, Hack the hacker. You. Yeah, yeah. there, there's uh, your ethical yeah.
1: hacker right there. The guy going after the bad <laughs>
3: yeah. guys. They, uh, they. They try to do a simple trick. Uh, you call and say, I didn't order this thing. He says, oh, well, I can help you out, but first I need to verify that you're you. I'm going to send you a one-time code to verify you. And what the hacker's doing is going to your Amazon account and hitting reset my password. I forgot my password. Amazon dutifully sends you a code to make sure you're you. Ah. You give the hacker the code. He says, yep, oh, this is you, save, and he's in your account,
1: <laughs> no good. They are are clever. So did you get the guy back?
3: (laughs) Yeah, well, uh, all you can do is really just waste some of their time. Instead of just hanging up, sometimes I'll answer and put it on mute, listen to the guy say hello 15, 20 times, because I know when he's talking to me, he's not talking to somebody else.
1: That's true. Well, guys, thank you once again for uh, coming out. Any other advice you can offer our cities and towns on critical infrastructure protection?
3: Well, I did have one thing. We have kind of, you know, uh, redesigning your network, air gapping everything, probably not a solution. But I do have kind of five or six easy steps to do what you can do. Oh, go for it. So on your OT IT network, the best thing you can do is have a good identification of all of your devices. A lot of people, stuff gets moved around. You don't know what you have. That's the easiest number one thing you can do you don't know what's been robbed what's been stolen if you don't know what you have Mm -hmm. have a very good database of all of your equipment step two identify all connections to skate equipment and remove any unnecessary ones you know this this device only needs to talk to this well why is it hooked to this third thing think about those things and make sure that the connections are right obviously set a separate password for each device with a good level of entropy a real long complicated one per device don't use the same one on all the devices Mm -hmm. Don't leave a default, please. Yeah. <laughs> so no password. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. no password, no monkey123. <laughs> uh, also, you know, limit access to SCADA systems. That should be obvious. You know, Only let people use that they're supposed to. And the next one is harden your SCADA networks by removing or disabling unnecessary services. When these things come to the factory, all the options are enabled. You may only want to use this for this one thing. Mm-hmm. Go through and turn off the other 15 things it does that you don't use. There's no reason for all that to be running. And then, lastly, keep up with patch management and all the things. There's always new firmware coming out. You know, make it a priority to go out there and get it updated. And
1: for most of our cities, this means uh, you're going to be calling not just your plan operator, but also the uh, the company that supports you. Probably getting one of their staff out to take a look. Maybe spending a few dollars, you know, on that hourly analysis, but it is worth it, uh, especially in the patch management piece, uh, mm-hmm. keeping those patches installed on a regular basis.
0: Absolutely. And, and you know, passwords, uh, Casey mentioned a good long password. And I, I think the fact that we have in our head that good long passwords need to be this very complicated, you know, uh, point, ampersand, you know, lowercase <laughs> F capital R and so on. But in reality, if, if you can do something as simple as, uh, three random words or five random words, mm-hmm. you know, obviously the longer, the better. So five random words and you do, you know, horse battery, collar, staple pin. Yeah. That's a great password. Throw a little capitalization in, 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 the way, you know, one word's capitalized. The next one isn't something like that. And, and you have a very good long password.
1: And you can paint a story in your mind. So it's easier to remember for you. Harder to guess for anyone else hacking, but impossible for a computer because it's long enough.
0: Right. A horse wearing wearing a collar that is battery powered while uh, carrying around a pen.
1: You'll never forget that. Never forget that. (laughs) Meanwhile, yeah, your exclamation three, seven, you know, ampersand. Who can remember that? (laughs) Well, guys, thank you once again for joining us here in the OMAG All Access podcast. And I appreciate you coming out. Thank you. Thank you. Stay safe out there, everyone.
2: We hope you can take something away from this podcast that will help your city or town. You can find more information about OMAG on our website at www.omag.org or on our Facebook page. Thanks for listening. If you have questions or ideas for a podcast topic, please send them to allaccess at omag.org. On the next episode of OMAG All Access... It's
3: very easy to to take Omag in the reinsurance market and, and argue for the best terms because it's deserved and the reputation that uh, that Omag has in the marketplace is phenomenal.
1: And Charlie, that's very, very high praise. Thank you very much. That's known internally by the few of us that remember or knew Harold or know Harold as the Telegraph story. Harold was preparing a telegraph that would go out to the members if you hadn't been able to secure that reinsurance, that OMAG probably wasn't going to continue, at least with that line of business. So a large degree of what OMAG is goes back to that a, that series of events where you were able to go to the market and convince the underwriters to take our risk. So thank you very much on behalf of everyone who makes their living here and all of the 500 and cities and towns that belong to OMAG.
2: This episode is copyright OMAG 2022 under the Creative Commons 4.0 Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives International License. For more information, please visit creativecommons.org.